Hi everyone, this is Renee T, and you're listening to the first episode of season two of the Becoming a Data Scientist podcast. We're back, woohoo! So today in episode 14, you'll get to meet Jasmine Dumas, who is a relatively new and young data scientist with a background in biomedical engineering, who developed some pretty interesting data science project work right out of college that you'll get to hear all about. And she also tells us about her first data science job search experience. I think Jasmine's desire to transition from her chosen undergraduate degree into data science will be relatable to a lot of you. I want to thank DataCamp for sponsoring this episode, and I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about them after the interview. But first, let's meet Jasmine. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Renee. Well, I'll start out with the same question that I ask everybody on the podcast. Do you consider yourself to be a data scientist? Sure, yeah, that's a... That's a really interesting question. I think that has a lot of internal thought about how you perceive yourself. Um, But I would have to say I do consider myself a data scientist, uh, probably by default. I don't feel like I fit into traditional buckets in terms of like a statistician or computer science. Um, And even as an engineer, I didn't fully feel like I, I fit into that bucket. And so data science and the title data scientist has like this really nice blend of all those different types of skills that it's just kind of, I feel at home in calling myself a data scientist. That's great. So let's talk about how you got here. So when you were younger, were you particularly tech savvy or into science or anything that indicated that you were going to take this route? Um, I think I was. Uh, in middle school and high school, I participated in Science Olympiad, uh, which is like uh, around about like science competitions that they have you compete against other schools. And so I, I was I was even a, um, a co-captain one year. So I, I think at that onset, I knew that I was going to be in some type of STEM field. Um, and then I think that's that's what I think led me down this path and always being involved in uh, STEM topics. Okay. Then what did you do when you got to college? I majored in biomedical engineering, um, and that was, at the time, a really good fit. I really enjoyed um, the multidisciplinary approaches in problem solving and advanced mathematics and design. Um, and so I, I think I parlay those skills, and even though I'm not doing biomedical engineering on a day-to-day basis and data scientists, I'm still problem solving. I'm still thinking about our end user, and I'm still um, trying to understand how those two skills can be met um, through exploring the data science process. Okay, let's talk about that a little more. So what's an example of something that you did during your degree or early work as a in biomedical engineering that you use now? What's one of the transferable skills? Uh, I would have to say very little, but um, mm-hmm. to come up with um, a skill, I think just general problem solving skills, like in engineering, you have, Mm -hmm. you know, you have a design problem. I need to design a product. It needs to fit this type of criteria. It's going to be used on a patient. um, So it needs to meet, you know, this, this, this amount of mechanical strength. Um, But then when you go and, you know, as a data scientist right now, I approach, you know, this is the this is the question that our, our business partners want answered. These are the different types of machine learning and statistical analysis skills that I can I can produce to help um, achieve that end goal. And it still has some of the same sort of um, inclinations when you think about in problem solving and sort of like 
almost like the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's I, th- I think that's probably like the most transferable skill. Uh, I did a lot of computer aided design in my undergraduate degree, so I don't do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and probably also just understanding the problem too, because that's kind of the first step of problem solving. And I know that in you know my engineering work too, it's the same thing. Like just even understanding what's being asked is a really good skill to gain. So when you were um, in that degree program, were you thinking at all about anything like data science or how did you get from there to data science? Oh yeah, I, I don't think I was thinking at all about it, but my the, the end of my senior year, I started getting involved in um, more computer aided design, advanced manufacturing, um, and computational programming just on the side. Um, and so that's what kind of led me. I started doing, uh, there was a, a, a class on EDX, computational programming, data science. And two years ago, you know, it just seemed like a really interesting step, but I didn't have it with full intentions to be like, I'm going to be a data scientist. This is what I need to do. I was just sort of interested um, as sort of that evolution from engineering programming to, you know, computational programming in a way. And then did you go right from your bachelor's program into a master's program? I I did in a way. I I started on a project um, in between there. I wanted to make sure that, A, like, I wanted to actually be a data scientist. Sometimes you get into programs, you're like, oh, this is a horrible mistake. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to do some type of data scientist work um, and a project to help me understand what I'd be getting ready for. Um, and so that was a that was a project that kind of just actually wrapped up, um, and that was involved in bioinformatics, which was the nice stepping stone from biomedical engineering to data science. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a great like sort of real world project I did with a research mentor that I found um, in Connecticut where I live. Okay, um, so let's talk about how that started. Yeah. So how did you even come up with the idea or get connected with your mentor? Yeah, I like cold cold emailed him. <laughs> I wow. was just yeah, I was just generally looking for advice on graduate school programs and how to get more experience in programming. And I I got some feedback from other people. Like I had like sort of like uh phone interviews, but um the this professor, Dr. Dancic, I'll call his name out, um, he actually like made a like an earnest effort to reach out to me and give me advice and involve me in his research, what he was doing, which is developing bioinformatics tools and software using R. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of like my introduction. He was like, oh, like, I would be more than willing to help with you. Do you mind learning R? <laughs> and so that's kind of how I got started. Um, yeah, and I was just kind of, I, I, I had no affiliation with his university. Like, I was just sort of this random person on the street, and he was just really excited to, like, uh, meet with me and, and learn. And so that's kind of how we got kind of synced up, and it's been, like, a, a very awesome roller coaster thus far. Yeah, so how did that go? So, like, what were the first things you learned, and were you just learning on your own and learning online? Uh, yeah, so we, he kind of like helped me as a mentor set up with some resources, pointed to me some Coursera classes, and he even sent me some of his students like, um, homework assignments that he gives in class for, for learning. Uh-huh. And, um, I just started meeting with him, uh, every other week I would drive, I would, I had like a really great arrangement with my previous, previous employer and I would work sort of like a, a flexible schedule and then I would drive up to the other half of the state and meet with my research advisor and we'd go over, you know, 
this is sort of like, this is how you use the tool. This is sort of, you know, at that certain step, this is what we want implemented. And it was a nice iterative approach and introduction to R and mm-hmm. informatics and actually producing a data product, which is usually like the end, the end goal of uh, a data science project. Um, yeah. yeah, it went, it, it was, it turned out to be a really great project and really helped focus, um, you know, creating, creating a tool for, for especially non-technical users. You get to understand and stretch your thinking about the requirements that they would need in terms of software development. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while also having that limited feature of using R and Shiny, which um, in 2000, I think it was 2014, did not have all the amazing cool features that it does now. <laughs> so. You've been, you were learning R and Shiny for a project, um, but you weren't taking classes for that. So, so how did you learn the programming language and, and the Shiny package? Yeah, so I started off like a lot of other people in the, the Johns Hopkins courses for a little bit. Um, and then I kind of stopped halfway through. Um, the, I think I was taking way, way too many of them at the same time. And so it wasn't really, it wasn't really helping. I was just crowding on knowledge. Um, but I found really helpful. Um, uh, Shiny's documentation page had step by step tutorials. Um, and so I just kind of like, I really in deep lay went through there. I would take what I learned from there and then I would apply it to my project and try and see if I can fix things and um, alter them in that sense. Cool. So tell us more about the actual project. So what were you trying to accomplish with it and what was the outcome? Yeah, so we were trying to uh, create a shiny application um, that does uh, um, gene expression analysis um, in a little bit more an easier fashion than there's a current tool by the National Institute National Institutes of Health. I don't know who can say that either. I don't know why I should be embarrassed. Um, NIH. They have a, yeah, the, the NIH. They have a tool that uses R, um, but it, it's 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 extremely cumbersome. It doesn't do um, a lot of type type of analyses that a, a traditional bioinformatician would actually use. Um, so we set out to make a tool that would be able to provide differential expression analysis, survival analysis, generate code, generate uh, publication-ready graphics, which is usually what, what you want at the ending stage. You want to be able to analyze this data and then create research papers and involvement. Um, and we, we do this in a way where the user uh, doesn't have to know our programming. Okay. It's, and we, yeah. we should probably explain a little bit, too. So can you kind of summarize what is Shiny and then also... Um, what is the gene expression analysis? So what, what would somebody use this for um, as a scientist? Uh, what, are they, what would they maybe be looking at if I don't know what gene expression means? Yeah, definitely. So, so first up, Shiny is a package in R that allows you to create web applications. Only knowing R, you don't have to know front-end development or HTML or CSS, um, but it does help if you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of gene expression analysis, uh, somebody who would use this tool would be interested in understanding how certain genes are potentially related to certain uh, um, outcomes, such as, you know, does a certain group that have this high expression of, you know, the BRCA gene, are they more likely to get cancer? Um, And just trying to find the sort of prognostic indicators about that. And this tool allows somebody to have sort of the limited knowledge that it would take um, to do that to, you know, still be able to be in control of their data, still have the ability to run. Because data sets can be really large. And so then you need, you know, you need a data scientist, then you need somebody experienced in biology. And um, 
that's not at everybody's luxury. And people who are not as technical still need to be able to run these analyses and be involved um, in their community and with um, with work assignments. So the tool offers um, a, a really nice, easy platform um, for somebody to run sort of like these really advanced like survival analyses plots and make sort of all these inferences. And also, if they are technical, they can the the software tool generates the R code so that you can then take it and run it. Yeah, back in R Studio. Um, oh, that's really impressive. Yeah, I was really excited. I did the bulk of the work uh, during Google Summer of Code. Uh, in 2015. So um, that was a great experience, just learning to be a part of the open source community, interacting with, you know, other people uh, on Twitter, of course, because that's, <laughs> that's the other community that we all love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Twitter's amazing. Um, yeah. And then we just published a paper in the Bioinformatics Journal detailing what the software does and, you know, putting it out there for, you know, feedback. And we've gotten some people are, I think I had a feedback, somebody in like Switzerland had installed it for like their psychiatrist in their lab. I have no idea. Sometimes you create these tools and you don't think people are going to actually use it, but sometimes I guess they do. So your very first data project, first of all, you know, you learned a brand new language, you learned a new package, you started working with real scientists um, and you published a paper. <laughs> I don't That's know. <laughs> Thanks. I guess I have a lot of, I just have a lot of free time, honestly. <laughs> That's probably it. So, so what did you personally gain from that project? So, I mean, this, this is incredible what you, you know, what came out of it. Um, do you feel like it was a good launching point for your career as a data scientist? I think absolutely. It gave me, you know, that was what I talked about a lot on job interviews. That's what I talked a lot Um uh, just trying to be in, in part of the open source community and offering like, hey, these are my contributions. And it helped me feel sort of validated in a way that I was working on something that would actually be, you know, important to other people. Um, yeah, and I just got, you know, a lot of a lot of experience out of it. Um, and I got a lot better at R, um, which mm -hmm. is, you know, sort of like what my passion is. Um, so yeah, it was a really rewarding project. And I think it was like the best way for me to make that entryway into into being a data scientist. That's so cool. And you were on an R podcast. So how did that fit in with all this project? Yeah, like, I got to give it up to you. Podcasts are hard to keep up with. <laughs> um, yeah, that was just, that was once again, me just sort of like cold calling or like answering somebody's tweet and being like, hey, like, I'd be interested. Like, I, I want to be involved. I want to learn from other people. Um, and it was a really awesome group. Um, I think there might be a, a stray interview we did with Bromnoff. Um, so, so I'm hoping that that insight will come out later, but yeah. We'll have yeah. to link to it in the show notes. Yeah, hopefully. I think it's, I hope it's, it's being edited, but okay. yeah, it's, it, it was really cool. It was a great way to just like actually start meeting people and thought and not being like this next level up for being this sort of rando on Twitter. That's, you know, <laughs> tagging people, even though that's totally fine too, but, but yeah. So what was it like? What was the interview process like? So tell me, what kind of jobs were you applying to and how did that go? I mean, you said you talked about your project, but what was the whole process like? Yeah, so interviews were interesting. Um, uh, data science interviews are super different than what I've been used to, which were engineering interviews. Um, so what were some of the differences? Uh, so, you know, usually when you, were, when you show up for an engineering interview of the day, you're, you're there to test your skills 
you're there to show them what you can do. A data science interview, you've usually done, they've given you a project beforehand. You've done some type of really awesome data analysis project that shows, hey, I can do this before you even meet me. So mm-hmm. usually the interview when you go there is low, low stress. Like you shouldn't be writing on a whiteboard. It should be more of the cultural fit. And so I found that to be really uh, preferable, I think, because I, you know, how are you going to show, you know, from an engineering standpoint or even general jobs, it's really hard to make that like really good first impression in that really short time span. So data science and on the next level, you know, I've tried to test all these different types of like skills that not a lot of people progress altogether, but just give you a lot of opportunity to really show uh, your best foot forward as a candidate and, you know, potential team member. And I'm sure like that transition you made from your undergraduate program into what you did with this project, that was a huge showcase piece for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I still talk. I'm, I'm going to talk about it forever. Like, <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. You know, it was, you know, it was the most probably comprehensive thing I've done like thus far. Like I do a lot of like side projects uh-huh. that take maybe six hours, but nothing has taken like two years yeah. <laughs> and has the outcomes that it does. So. Yeah. So what were the type of jobs you were applying for and, and what kind of response did you get? Yeah. So like, you know, as like somebody who was just like, oh, I really want to be a data scientist, you sort of have like blanket applications, which is not, mm-hmm. this is not a good approach. You're not going to get any responses back. But I was generally looking for a place that would be really receptive to somebody that was new, somebody that, you know, was going to be learning on the job, but still had like a real thirst for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that those kind of positions can be hard to find. Um, so were people, you specifically looking for junior type data science um, postings or how did you find this? Yeah. So yeah, I, I was looking for like junior levels, um, like associate, associate data science positions, even like it's, it's, it's hard too because you have to like kind of change the language like, oh, data analyst mm-hmm. this or business intelligence. And so it's really, it's, it can be really difficult to even find a job that matches. Um, yeah, I was on LinkedIn, uh, Stack Overflow has a, a career portal. Um, yeah, I just sort of got involved um, with uh, trying to find data science things in my area in Connecticut, which kind of seemed small until I until I realized that like, oh, there's this is the insurance capital of worlds. Like insurance is very big into data science and analytics. And so that's when I've kind of got like my first real data science role. Yeah. So tell insurance. us about the this job you eventually landed. Yeah. So my yeah, my first my first. My first role, I, I got uh, I got an internship, um, okay. yeah, and so it was it was like a really weird occasion. Like they were like, "Oh, you're you're applying for a summer internship, but since you're here, uh, let's bring you in during the year." And so um, I worked in auto insurance, which is uh, spoiler alert, not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wait, so wait, you were applying for a job for the next summer, and they said, "Well, yeah. come on in now since you're in town." Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think their usual effect was that, you know, uh, interns are, you know, from all parts of the country, but I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, this career changer that happened to have been, you know, in the state nearby. Um, yeah. So what so, did you get to learn while you were doing this boring auto insurance? <laughs> yeah. Like, the, you know, it's always like the subject matter may not be the most interesting, but hopefully it like the actual. Some people. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why people major in actuarial science. I couldn't do it, but uh, I'm sure it's interesting to other people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm one of the biggest aspects that I got out of that entire experience was um, becoming more of a predictive modeler, which mm-hmm. is an entire another level. Like I thought I was 
I thought I was good at R. I thought I was good at shiny and creating web applications. Mm-hmm. I I could not believe the joy that I felt in like trying to like predict the future. Like, mm-hmm. how can we create a predictive model? Like, what is a GLM and all these different all these different attributes? And that's 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 what I was really taught because that's what insurance is that analytics baseline and that and that's how they use data science. Um, yeah, and so that kind of parlayed into I got a an associate position there. Um, doing the exact same thing. So it was great. I took a week off from my internship and came back and was at my desk. Uh, what kind of stuff were you predicting at this job at the auto insurance company? Yeah. So a lot of the models were centered around predicting premium, which is the amount, you know, the insurance company says you owe them for, for them insuring you. Um, and then a, a lot of another subset aspect, um, there's a lot of features that are involved in there. So you get really comfortable with feature selection and feature engineering in that aspect. Um, and so that's what I spent um, really a bulk of my time on when I was there, um, building out models um, related to understanding, you know, what are the features we can then feed back in. Um, yeah. Okay. And then what was the next step for you in your career? Yeah, so I I made the transition to my current job um, at Simple, um, where I am a data scientist. And what um, is Simple? Yeah, Simple is a a really cool company. But besides that, they are um, there's a, they provide a uh, a banking account and a really great like personalized sort of customer service appeal. So they're not just like the big banks that mm-hmm. a lot of people have some more mistrust for. They they offer real people that you can talk to. They offer tools that you can you can use to save for your, you know, save for your life. You can save for a vacation and become more like financially and situationally aware of what's going on in your finances. Um, so yeah. what do you do there? Yeah, so I do I do really interesting data science work. Um really trying to also understand uh what our customers will want. Um, what kinds of features we can implement, understanding how they're using the product. Um, yeah, and I've, I've only been there for two months. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the things that we're involved in and really uh, doing a lot of research um, and understanding behavioral aspects as well. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so you've just gone through this whole, like, from school to project to job to another job in a yeah. pretty short period of time. So there's a lot of people that are just behind you in the stage in data science that say, how do I do what you did? So what advice do you have for people that are maybe just coming out of school and trying that first project? You know, what should they focus on to make sure they can launch right into a career like you did? Yeah, I would say my biggest advice would just be to work on a project and then make it discoverable, like make sure that it is, you know, it's on GitHub, it's on a blog, um, it's, you know, you know, record a video of yourself walking and and talking through your analyses and your steps. Um, That's how people are going to discover you um, and become interested in what you're interested in. And then it shows your, it really shows your passion. I think that's what people are interested in too. um, Yeah, that idea of recording yourself talking through the steps. I think that's a great idea because it shows that you can communicate the results which a lot of people find is the difficult part in hiring a data scientist, that they could find, you know, statisticians and people that have the research experience, but not necessarily people that have the communication experience. So is that something you did to to practice communicating? Uh, yeah, so I was on GitHub. I knew I felt like that was really important to uh, detail the project, that the projects that I was working on. Um, I also, like, participated a lot in Twitter. Um, and just, like, 
it, it, it may be really strange to like reach out to somebody or, or tag them, but it's really important and it really does show um, that you're interested and you're dedicated to the community. Um, and so that, I think that's the most fruitful thing you can do um, uh, to, you know, take, take yourself to the next level and get that data scientist job that you want. So you mentioned you were in a master's program. So have you you've been in multiple <laughs> master's programs? Do you have plans for that? Is that something you want to continue? I yeah. know every, everybody in this field, I think, is jumping from thing to thing. So I think people will be interested to hear where you're at with that and what your plans are. Yeah, that's like that's like my crux. I I I I, I started out in the, the master's of predictive analytics program at DePaul University. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I thought it was really interesting. I, I really wanted to transition into a job and I really thought that that was the way that um, I was going to learn the information. I was going to meet other like-minded uh, professionals and individuals. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I don't know, it just turned out to like not be like what I was interested in. And then I went to Johns Hopkins engineering for professionals and uh, took some courses in their computer science uh, department because I wanted, you know, I, I was sort of like going through a conflicting sort of data scientist phase. Like, oh, I, you know, what am I, a statistician? What am I, a computer scientist? Like, these mm-hmm. are the skills I need. Um, and so, yeah, I left there and I went back to DePaul this fall because I'm super wishy-washy like that. Um, yeah, it's just like, it just... I think I just had to have, I had to like really write down my intentions about what I, what I, what I did, what I, what I wanted to join that program for. And I wanted to, you know, meet other people, learn new skills and get a data scientist job. And that, that all for me happened before I graduated from that program. So um, I'm on, I'm on leave right now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm think I'm, I'm going to spend my time focusing on, learning some skills myself. Um, there's so many resources and that's also like the, the pain that you feel like, oh, I'm paying so much money and there's such amazing resources out there that you can learn if you're if you're super dedicated. But if you need another, you need that structured learning format, of course, like mm-hmm. actual coursework is totally fine. But I'm, I have, I've got some links up and I've got some other courses and some books that I'm going to read. Um, and I think that thus far, I, I feel confident enough to know that I can do it on my own right yeah, now. That's great. And so a lot of people ask me, um, do you find that there, did you have any trouble in the interview process, not having a master's degree? Did that end up mattering? Uh, not really. Cause at the point, um, the point I was doing interviews, I was like in the process, like I was a graduate candidate. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would be able to talk about that. But if I'm being honest during my interviews, I very rarely talked about the, the projects I did in, in school because they were not as impressive of things that I did on my own free time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of felt like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in classes um, and especially being in, in online learning, I didn't really feel connected to the other students and the professors. Like I, I, I had, I had, you know, not had that traditional school experience where, you know, an undergraduate, if you're on campus, it's, it's the life of the party. It's more of a connection mm-hmm. with your education. And so an online master's program for me. I just didn't feel the right fit. Um, and I thought it was fine. And I, and I, I think I can still speak to projects and my involvement in the art community and not mm-hmm. to overshadow not having a master's degree. Yeah. And I just think nowadays there's so much demand for data science project, but, and data scientists, it's, it's like what you said, like if people feel that they really need that structure, 
it makes sense to go to school if you like being in school. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not for everybody. And like you said, like online programs, I was in an online master's degree program too. Mm-hmm. And it it is very different than being in a in a school and like you said, the networking and everything. So that's great that you didn't have any trouble getting a job without it. Because I think it's it's really experience based. A lot of the data science jobs they say they require a master's degree, but if you have a comparable amount of experience, they're gonna want you because you can do the work. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. So um are there any resources that you typically return to, like online or anything that you would recommend, particular books or websites or maybe just Twitter? <laughs> yeah. So what do you like, use a lot? Yeah, the the RStats hashtag on Twitter is just um, full of tons of knowledge, and people bring up really interesting um, conversations. If you're if you're into R, I'm sure it's the same for Python programmers. Um, uh, a resource that I find myself kind of bookmarking all the time is Hadley Wickham's uh, Advanced um, R book. Uh, it's 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 sort of that next level, like. You, you know how to program and you know how to do these things, but if you really understand the theory behind them and why things are, you know, different, you know, S3 versus S4 classes, um, that's what I find myself in my current stage always reflecting back because it helps to understand, you know, what I'm doing and not just kind of zombie typing on the on the computer. So <laughs> That's cool. And you keep mentioning that R is your passion. So um, what is it that you like? Is it the actual programming languages? Is it solving the problems? I mean, what are your favorite things about being a data scientist? Yeah, I I definitely took to R, I think, a little bit easier than I took to Python, and I learned Python first. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I think what does it for me for the, um, for, you know, R programming is it's, um, its community is like super vibrant. Like people will go out of their way to help you. They'll send you code snippets. They'll try and, you know, answer your questions on Stack Overflow. And that's what keeps people around. It's not that, you know, R is better than Python or another language is better than another Python. Um, it, it's, it's, it's the people that really bring you together. And I've, I've, I've had that opportunity. I went to the, the user conference in, uh, in Stanford this, this summer and it was absolutely amazing experience. I was absolutely terrified. And then mm-hmm. I left. I left leaving like like meeting people and you know understanding new topics and just feeling a lot more comfortable. So it's definitely it's definitely the people, the hard people. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, how can people find you online and how can people connect with you and see these projects that you've done? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter um, at Jazz Dumas, um, and then uh, my blog slash webpage. Uh, I think they're one and the same for me. Uh, is Chaz Dumas dot github dot io um and i've i post um i post uh blog posts uh there's uh, links to my projects links to my r packages that i've written um yeah and i'm just you can hit me up on twitter i'm not weird about anything so <laughs> not any weirder than the rest of us data scientists yeah yeah totally cool Okay, well, Jasmine, thank you so much for talking with me today, and I'm sure a lot of people will be excited to hear about your experience and your your recent entry into data science, and um, thanks so much for sharing your experiences. This has been fun. Awesome. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for this platform and just, you know, doing everything that you do to, you know, help and inspire other people. Oh, thank you. (laughs) All right. See you later. See you later. Now we'll have a few announcements and then we'll get to the Learning Club activity. 
Those of you that follow me online will have heard about my Patreon campaign, which I'm using to raise funds to do things like get professional editing for this podcast and hire an assistant to work with me on the Becoming a Data Scientist websites. I want to thank the Patreon supporters for their generosity, especially Angela Bassa and Sean Law. We raised enough money to be able to start supporting an assistant position. So if you're interested in that, go to becomingadatascientist.com, and the job application with the description is currently the second post from the top. If you want to become a supporter, there's also a post up there called Support Becoming a Data Scientist. Like Angela and Sean, you could get a shout out on a future podcast episode. Another new thing is that this podcast now has sponsors. I hope to keep the advertising content to a minimum and will also only advertise products on this podcast that I have checked out myself. I really hope as we feature companies here on the podcast that you will support them since they're helping make the podcast possible so I can bring it to you for free. Having said that, here's our first sponsor spot. This episode is sponsored by DataCamp. DataCamp has free and beginner-friendly introductory data science courses in both R and Python, and then a low-cost subscription option that gets you access to some pretty incredible classes, like importing and cleaning data in R, data visualization with ggplot2, statistical modeling with R, introduction to data visualization with Python, Pandas Foundations, and many others. I've viewed some of their classes myself, and I really like their approach. And DataCamp is also currently the highest rated beginner content on my Data Sci Guide site. There's also a DataCamp community with a blog and tutorials. Thanks to DataCamp for sponsoring this episode. You should go to datacamp.com today and check them out. While the podcast was on hiatus, as I started my new job at Helio Campus, two people were nice enough to offer to create learning club activities to keep the learning club going during that time, and also started a Slack group for club members. So the activity for this episode is to go try out one of their learning activities so you're caught up before I post another one in a couple weeks with the next episode. If you're new to this podcast and you don't know about the Data Science Learning Club, you should go take a look at becomingadatascientist.com slash learning club. You'll see activities we started last year, like setting up a development environment, creating visuals for exploratory data analysis, and some machine learning projects. No one really teaches the content, but we all share resources and share our results to help each other learn the topics, hence the name Learning Club. It's never too late to start, and you can either start from the top and go in order, or jump in wherever you're comfortable. There's also a coupon for DataCamp, visible to users logged into the Learning Club forums, so when you're ready for their paid content, check there for that discount link. One new activity you'll see is Activity 14, posted by Verena Helmschmidt, who you met back in Episode 12 of this podcast. She posted about hidden Markov models and using Markov chains to determine what the weather is like based on whether your cat comes into the house with wet fur. She likes cat data science, that makes it fun. There's a bunch of good resources up there, so you can do your own learning activity related to hidden Markov models. Activity 15 was posted by Amir Ranama and is about neural nets for text. Check out his activity to learn about neural language models and generating text using things like recurrent neural networks. There's a video tutorial he linked to that has more information, as well as other resources to help you get started. You can also share resources that you find in these forums. Another cool thing that Amir did is set up a Slack group for the Data Science Learning Club. 
and he also started hosting chats for people in the club. If you search the Learning Club forums for the keyword Slack, you'll find the thread with more information. I'll also link it link to it in the show notes. So go check out Learning Club activities 14 and 15 at becomingadatascientist.com slash learning club. Thanks to Verena and Amir for those. Thanks again to Angela Bassa and Sean Law for their Patreon support. Thanks to Jasmine Dumas for the great interview. And thanks to DataCamp for sponsoring this episode. And special thanks to you for listening to Becoming a Data Scientist podcast and joining us for season two. I'll be back in a couple weeks with another great guest. Bye. Thank you.